They teach you not to substitute words for action, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and spur of difficulty and challenge. Okay, so um, today we have Ashley Horner as a guest here uh, in the Ironclad Compound. Ashley is someone we've been working with for around two years now. Um, we have a few projects under our belt. We're about to do something new with her. Uh, she's an inspiration to many. She's got a half a million followers on her Instagram page and constantly pushes them and, and inspires them. And, and we've had a, a good time helping tell your story. So uh, welcome, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, you know, I, we were talking before we started, and I was saying we want to hear a little bit about your history, but it's funny thing is I don't even necessarily know how you got to where you are now. Can you kind of give us a 30,000-foot view of kind of how you got here? Yeah, so I guess starting back, um, I always had this idea. I was a single mom, and I really I fell in love with, like, health and fitness, but I had to figure out a way to – make money because you couldn't just make a living, especially supporting two little boys, um, just being a four trainer. And so I had this idea like that if I could just get, you know, become sponsored or be a fitness model, like that's where all the success was. And so within that, you know, following my heart, but still knowing like my passion had to turn into be a success financially, you know, to be able to support myself and my boys. And I started seeking that and I realized pretty quickly that, you know, you can land a couple spots like in a magazine or um, you can get a sponsorship from, you know, smaller companies or what have you. And they're just going to send you products. You know, the magazines don't really pay a whole lot for publications, especially now because most everything's digital. And I realized pretty quickly that that was not really a way to become successful. So... About that time, I entered into the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel competition, and I was like, this is this is basically the last draw for me. I was like, I'm going to do this. If I don't make it, like, I'm done. Like, there's no way I can do this. And I actually won. I got top five out of all of the you know, United States. Right then, it was just um, in the United States. I think now it's actually it's gone internationally if you want to do the body space spokesmodel competition. So I entered in. I got top five. They picked five females and five males. I actually uh, flew out to L.A. and at the time I was living in Guam and I actually lied about where I was living because they would only do like the United States. So I hopped on this like tiny plane somehow by the grace of God and I made it to L.A. and they had no idea that I actually wasn't in Oklahoma, which is where I was born. And because I, whenever I entered in, I was like, I'm not going to make it anyways, but I'm just going to enter in, see what I can do. So I was like extremely shocked whenever they said that I had made it. Um, I did the competition. I got third place. I didn't win, but they still signed me as like a low level, like tier one athlete. So I just started I, at that time. I went, I did like an interview with them. I did the competition. Um, so bodybuilding.com started pushing out like a lot of my training programs. So how long ago was that? Um, that was probably six years ago. Yeah. So they started pushing out like lots of my training style. So that caused like at the time of social media, there wasn't Instagram yet. There was just Facebook. So all these women, I noticed all these women just started like messaging me saying like, can you program me? Can you program me? And I was like, yeah, like I truly genuinely wanted to help and like save these women who were so insecure and like they hated their bodies. You know, they had babies, maybe they didn't, they just, you know, in bad relationships, some of them. 
I just could not help them all. And so what I ended up doing is I put my training program, basically what I did within like a 12 week span, I put it in like a, a PDF myself. And I just said, Hey, if you guys PayPal me a hundred dollars, I will send you this PDF, like just through email. And so I was really nervous after I put this together, you know, thinking like one, who's going to trust me. They're going to get my training and think that it sucks and be like, this is like horse shit. Like, what is this? But I was very surprised, I guess, you know, I just had, I had faith because I knew like the training that I believed in, like it worked for me. And I just kind of believed that it could work for all these women. And within the training, it wasn't just like, you know, five sets of three or whatever. It was actually uh, like a, almost like a journaling of kind of like things that I had been through in that period of time. And so I just started selling them for like a hundred bucks, like at a time. And then I would take money that I made from that and I invested into a website and fast forward, probably, you know, definitely a few hiccups and bumps and holes that I, you know, fell down along the way. But fast forward six years later, I have like 14 plus eBooks and I've sold over a million copies and I have a real deal website and, you know, getting to spend time with cool people like you guys. That's awesome. That I, I never knew that. I really did. You know, I think it's cool because you can see someone with where they're at now and just assume they've always been successful. You know, I love hearing stories like that. I think um, it's interesting that you've, you've never let the trends define what you're doing. I mean, you own a few businesses. Mm-hmm. I have five now. Five. And one nonprofit. <laughs> That's crazy. It is crazy. How do you, how do you juggle all that? Um, I mean, it's difficult. Like... There's definitely not a set balance. I have a good, a really good solid uh, team that works with me and that, you know, I can basically put trust in to oversee each company individually. But there are times when, um, you know, let's say like my coffee whiskey shop, American Brew here in Virginia Beach, like it may need more attention and it may need more, you know, cradling for a while. And then you know, I think that that's, it's going good. So then I'll, I'll turn my attention to another company and like work on that. But there's no set balance. I mean, especially like with my, with my family too, you have to give and take and it's, it's hard because there's no set balance to anything. You just have to be willing to like kind of roll with the punches and, you know, make sacrifices when you need to make sacrifices. And unfortunately, like building my brand and growing for the past like six years, I mean, people don't see like the hardships that I've had to face and like the birthdays that I've had to miss because I've had to be somewhere for a company or, you know, it, it can really suck sometimes, but, you know, and I think especially as women, we can always feel like that we're not good enough or that we're not able to give enough to our families, you know, and, and then you try to focus on like your family and then you feel like you're not giving enough to the business. And I think that women feel that more so than men just because that's kind of the way that society has been that's interesting do you and one thing i've noticed even on your your messaging and and your social campaigns it's empowerment and you bring your community in i mean it's it's you're posting before and afters of the women who follow you and uh you're making it more than yourself is that kind of what drives you for those types of things yeah i mean i think that a misconception that a lot of you know my community has is that whenever I see people's transformations and I know that I've had a hand in that, like that inspires me and that makes me emotional. And it's not like I can say, I'm not saying that I did that because they are the ones that actually did that. I just gave them the tools 
and I believed in them. And so it, it is a community that I have and I am very truly proud of every single person who just trusts my programming and, you know, relies on the community that they are being brought into to do their best. That's great. So I remember you when you first called us at Ironclad, I think, I don't even know how you stumbled upon us, but I remember you got a call, I got a call from you and we were just chatting. You know, you, you really wanted to start pushing more content and telling stories. How has that been important for your brand to, to constantly communicate and do that through video? One, your message and two, uh, some of the new things that you're working on. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's journey, it's, it's telling a story and, you know, for me to be able to rate relay that through video and kind of how, you know, like I was talking about, um, going back about my first training program called becoming extraordinary. It wasn't just like a PDF is actually almost like a journaling. And so, you know, every training program that I've ever written or that I've ever put out to the public, it actually, it has meaning. Like there is a purpose. There was a reason why I was going through that training and it is a purpose or something that, you know, drove me to write that training program. So to be able to create a video and kind of how I see it almost like a little bit of like, you know, the creative deeper side of me that I can kind of tell my story a little bit more to, you know, my community with the help of you guys, of course. Yeah. And I want people to know you are creating these ideas. I mean, she'll call and say, Hey guys, I got this idea. I mean, that's, that's you, you know, uh, it's not often that you see a person that owns their brand, that is the brand, that's also brainchilding the creative and also leading the team and doing all these things. I mean, it's a lot to juggle, but I, I think it's cool how you, like you said, you, you recognize who you work well with and you make it happen. It's, it's something that I don't think enough people do. Yeah, it just happens naturally for me. Like it's pretty easy. So I, you know, I wouldn't want to tell a story that's not mine. You know, a story that I don't see. So we just did Pinnacle. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a reflection of your younger self, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started thinking about that and, and what made you want to produce that one? I mean, I talk about it a lot. Like go- growing up through high school, I, you know, I ran around with more of like the popular girls, but I was super shy when I was in junior high, even in high school, definitely. But I had a really bad, like, I didn't really understand body image. And like, you know, I saw these girls who, wanted to be thin and you know they were having eating disorders or throwing up their food in the bathroom and I was never meant to be like one of those skinny girls and I wasn't ever uh, I was a gymnast I was never like you know the cheerleader type I'm not putting any you know status quo on anybody but I was always thicker legs big butt I was a soccer player I was athletic I my mom's super muscular so I'm super muscular and you know I think that growing up and our generation now it's a lot more social than I think it was whenever we were you know as far as social media bullying but we all experience it I think we kind of experience it even now all throughout our lives you know even going into our 30s of people just you get bullied or people you know it's just part of society so I just wanted to show a message that especially to my young self or speaking to young women that you know everybody goes through it and don't let it define you and don't let other people like whatever their opinions are about you or you know whatever they think that you should do or think that you should become like just be your own person follow your heart and find beauty in your strength yeah and i think that you've embodied that through your story and and the new ventures you take on and i want to go into one of the new ventures but first i want 
I was telling the story to the, the team before you got here. We were talking about what was the first interaction I had? I think the first meeting. I don't remember. I think the first meeting we had with you, you ran here from like 10 miles away. You're like, hey, I just ran here. And I was like, she's a machine. Really? You know? Yeah. And you're like, all right, see you later. You're like, see you later. And ran. But you you have the ability to make a decision and, and move with it. You just did a marathon and, mm-hmm. and you qualified for the Boston Marathon. What is it that you can tap into? Is it just um, a self-belief or is it, what is no, it? No, so like for me, whenever it comes to training and I do kind of like these crazy things, I definitely feel pain just like anybody else. I want to quit like anybody else. I just have the mentality like I don't. My mind overrides whatever I feel physically. And I just, I feel like, I mean, you can put this into any sort of perspective, like either running a mile, you know, if you can go a mile, you can go a mile and a half. So it's like, if I can sustain that pain, I mean, it's only just suffering, you know, my leg's not going to break and fall off. Like I'm going to be fine. It's really just how long can you suffer at that state? And if you can, you know, do it for a mile, I bet you could do it for two miles. And that's just kind of what I did for 26.2 miles, (laughs) but it it wasn't that bad. Like the conditions and the weather was pretty bad, but um, yeah, I was, I was pretty shocked. I couldn't believe that I, I actually started crying when I crossed the finish line. Cause I just finally like let myself, like let myself go, like be emotional, you know? And you, you made up your mind that night. It wasn't like you've been prepping for a Oh month. no, no, no prep at all. I was actually looking back at my like run log and my average, I mean, I could do pickups like 7.30, 7.45, you know, for like two miles or something. But my average pace was like a 9.45, not like 8.45, definitely nowhere near, you know, did I ever hold an 8, 12-minute mile for more than like three miles or five miles. So that's why everybody has it in them. They just don't, they don't believe that they do. 100%, I like will preach that till the day I die. Everybody has it in them. They just decide to quit. So, you know, I made up my mind. We're just going to get it done. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I saw that the pacer for the 335, there was no part of me that would have stopped. It wouldn't matter how, how much pain I felt. You know, and then once I hit, like, 10 miles, I was like, well, I felt fine. You know, you kind of have to do that self-check. Like, okay, okay, whatever. My foot hurts. Move on. What else? Okay, that hurts. Okay. What it hurts. Check. What else? And then you're just like, okay, you're fine. You've acknowledged every part of you that hurts, and then you just move on is that a skill set that you fine-tuned or acquired over the years or is it just always been something that you've had i i think i've definitely fine-tuned it over the years probably some bad relationships that i went through i watched my father pass away he had cancer passed away very quickly and i watched my mom's very kind of driven like i am so i know you know some of it probably just kind of runs in the family you know my mom right after my father died which was super sudden Um, I watched my mom just take over his companies and he was a rancher as well, like just take over everything. And she ran it like a boss and like, I'll never forget that, you know, and she just stepped up to the plate and didn't matter like emotionally how she was feeling or whatever. And she was still in like great shape. Like she trained all the time. And I think that emotions are very, very powerful. And I, you know, as humans, we can learn to harness those emotions and put them in the right funnel where they need to go down and it can just make us mentally stronger. That's awesome. I want to talk about what we have going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is in. I don't, don't tell me the day. Okay, it's I don't coming know how up. many days. It's, it's coming less up. than ten days, I think. Yeah. So Ashley called me. I don't know. Not a very week long ago, ago maybe. Either. And you were. <laughs> yeah. It was like at nine thirty at night, and you're like, uh, so. Yeah, I just want you to know, I have something going on. 
I don't know. And then essentially she says, <laughs> I'm going to run 250 miles in Haiti. Can you, you guys? 230. 230 miles mm-hmm. in Haiti. And you guys want to come and film. And we're, you know, it was, it, what an awesome experience. You, we want to go. So what's the game plan? She's like, well, you know, we'll see. So what, so tell us about what's going on and, and why, why you're doing it. Okay, so about three months ago, I went into Haiti and I, you know, I kind of started talking with some of the executives that run this orphanage over in Haiti. So for the first time, I got to visit it with my boys and we went over there. We fell in love with it. The kids, the teachers, everybody who makes up this like, you know, it's a small orphan. I mean, it's a bigger orphanage, but like in the whole scheme of things, it's like a tiny little orphanage that, you know, takes care of these kids right now. I think there's 184 kids. But, and so I just like fell in love with it. And, you know, I went to the executive director, Mary, and I was like, what can I do for these kids? Like, so we set a goal. I was the one that came up with a crazy idea. I remember I was like thinking like, hey, what could I do if I wanted to raise a lot of money for these kids because they need it for their education system? Um, Justin Hinch, I was like, what can I do that, you know, can not only honor the country and, you know, possibly shine a different light on Haiti. Because whenever you think of Haiti, you think of like piles of trash and dirt and they do have that, but like there's the culture and the people who make up Haiti, it's very beautiful and it's a unique culture. And I wanted to, you know, shed a different light on that and not just, you know, everybody when the first thought that comes to their mind is like a big pile of rubbish, you know, but just like the community and the people and that make up the country. And so I decided, I was like, well, you know, I, we land in, whenever we fly in, we fly into Port-au-Prince. I was like, I'll just run to the orphanage and I want it to be, you know, pretty along the coast. So we're going to take off on a 230 mile journey up the Western coast of Haiti, um, all the way up to the Northern tip of Cape Haitian. And then we're going to run down South back to the orphanage in Hinch. So in the lat, my favorite part, like, because I can already see it. All the kids are planning on running like the final mile with me. Um, so that's going to be like, it doesn't, even if I like break like, you know, 20 miles out or whatever, and I can't even move, like I will run that final mile no matter what. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Even if I'm crawling on my hands and knees, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Well, you can do it. I mean, we know you can do it because you just did one in Wilmington mm-hmm. or two Wilmington. a year Wilmington. ago. Yeah. yeah. So for this, by the time people hear this, You'll already have ran. Which is crazy. Yeah. And then the the video won't have rolled out yet. So they'll probably hear about it and then they're going to see about it back to back. Uh-huh. What's kind of going through your head? What do you do to kind of center yourself before something like this? I've been practicing a lot. So I'm kind of known like in the fitness industry as like a hybrid athlete. So I kind of do like I dabble in a little bit of everything. But I've really been focusing on hot yoga because it's difficult. And um, I think the temperatures are like 95 degrees or more. Um, but just the mental aspect of the hot yoga and plus trying to get my body used to the temperatures. So definitely heat exhaustion or fatigue is a concern of mine. There's really, it's kind of like one of those things. I mean, I've done runs before and I did do that 280. You kind of have to go into it not knowing what to expect and just kind of be open to anything that can, you know, come like come up and any obstacles and just know that you're going to overcome them. Um, but it's going to be tough. I'm definitely going to hurt like anywhere after 30 miles, it's going to start hurting, which is day one. (laughs) So, but I'll be okay. So what do you want your community to kind of take from this? I I, got to tell you, I've had aunts call me. I've had my friends, wives and stuff. When, when we release a video, they're like, you guys are working with Ashley. You know, I mean, they take your, your influence very seriously and they, and they really take it to heart. 
what do you want for experiences like this? What do you want people to kind of take from it, specifically your community to take mm-hmm. from it? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to have like a massive following to make a difference. Like you don't have to have, you know, a huge social platform at all to make a difference in somebody's lives. Like it could be, you know, I'm just a normal girl. I grew up in the country. There's nothing special about me. I'm just determined and I have a voice and I'm very firm with that. And I think that I just want people to know that they can make a difference in their community or whatever they're passionate about. They can be, you know, passionate about dogs and, you know, canine units or whatever, but you know, wherever your heart's leading you and like wherever you're passionate about, like just follow that, follow that, follow your heart and listen to it and know that you can make a difference wherever you are. Do you want to say anything else about the Haiti thing? Um, I just want to say, I didn't say anything about Maison Fortuné, about the actual orphanage. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, so the orphanage that I am working with in Hinch is Maison Fortuné. And the reason why this orphanage is a little bit different, because they actually don't adopt out their kids. So they rely so much on the educational part of the orphanage. And they will scholarship their kids all the way out to go to university, which is the college there. That's why education is so important, and that's why by raising the money that I have set out to raise, which is $25,000, $28,000, it will go to funding like an entire year of their elementary school, which is huge. So, And whenever I was there, I got to meet kids, um, some of the students who were living at the orphanage. You know, Maison Fortuné supports them going out into the university and getting college degrees of, you know, science, you know, biology, being a nurse, um, all these great things, agriculture. So they can go back into the country of Haiti and become like the future leaders of Haiti, which is so important. Like Haiti doesn't need Americans coming in and half-assed building a, a, a building and then leaving. And then the Haitians don't know how to fix it because they don't, they've never been educated on how to do something like that. So that was the biggest thing that I saw in Haiti. There were so many projects that were done by Americans that were only halfway finished or that they did it and then they fell down or they broke. Well, nobody in Haiti knows how to fix that. So that's why education is so important for the Haitian uh, community and for Maison Fortuné is to start by educating them from the ground up and to really give them a firm foundation to become better stewards in Haiti. Awesome. Yeah. So working together, you know, on countless videos, you get to know each other better and better and you get to understand each other's strengths. You get to understand... Uh, we get to understand what your message truly is, and I, your, your message is so important. Um, it's something that you're constantly using your influence to tell. Um, and you get to know about us a little bit, what we're capable of, how we collaborate. How important is it to you to be able to have a partner that you can collaborate with when creating content? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have to be able to see your vision. If they don't see your vision and how you want to tell the story, I mean, that's something that I really appreciate and like about you guys is that you are so open to my vision and you are able to see it basically through my eyes. And, you know, I feel like anytime that I've came up with like, okay, this is what I want to do. And, you know, and sometimes we have like a, almost like a storyboard, but then whenever we start filming, like, I mean, it kind of just, we just roll with it. Like whatever's kind of becoming, you know, developed or whatever we're creating. And I definitely, whenever you start collaborating with someone who's trying to tell your brand, you know, in your message, you still have, you have to make sure that it's still your brand and it's your message. It's not somebody else's brand or how they see it. It has to stay how you see it. Yeah. I think that's important. And one thing I want to kind of ask is for someone in, whether it's someone listening that is in your position, who's growing their brand, that they want to intimately know and tell their message, or it's someone that's in our position that wants to work with people like you. What are the lessons like 
the no-nos for, for people like us to not do? Like, have you had any people that were too much of an artist to, to collaborate or have you had, have you not been willing to, or not noticed when it was time to maybe split ways and do something else? Uh, what are some lessons that you would give on both sides of the spectrum? Yeah. So probably, uh, it was maybe three years ago, like whenever I first invested into my website, um, that was a huge one. You know, I, the person who was doing my website was kind of like an acquaintance, acquaintance, like, you know, a friend, which is usually how you start out, like your friends, your buddies, you know, you're like, Hey, I want to do this. But I got to a point where I was ready to grow. And, um, you know, that acquaintance could only do so much for me. And I think that was the hardest decision that I had to make, but it was also the best decision that I made. And I just kind of had to take a leap of faith and be like, you know, I'm ready to spread my wings. And, you know, I envision so much more and being able to do so much more, even like as like a website or, you know, whatever you're capable of, I just knew that I could do so much more. So, you know, don't set a limit or a cap on like the people you could reach or, you know, whatever brand message that you have, like how you can expand that. You have to constantly be thinking out of the box. So, yeah. And what about for um, filmmakers, uh, creatives, media agencies? What would you give them for advice from from your side of the table? Um, I would say like from my side, um, for filmmakers, I would just say kind of like what I was talking about before, you have to be able to understand the, per- the person's brand. You basically need to get into their brain and be able to tell their story. And it's important to, you know, do some research or spend that time. I mean, you guys spend so much time with me beforehand, before we even start filming, like really getting to know, like, what is my why? Like, why am I wanting to create this? You know, you guys could shoot like a paper bag blowing down the road and it's going to be beautiful. You know what I mean? But it's not necessarily telling a story. Like you guys are so talented, but at the end of the day, like you have to be able to tell like the client's story, which you guys are beautiful at. Well, thank you. Um, We enjoy it. I think that's a great insight. And I think that on both sides from people creating brands and people that are telling stories for people with brands, I think, I mean, it's super valuable. So what do you think is the biggest hurdle that you faced while building your brand and and how did you overcome it? I would say the biggest hurdle that I faced was being transparent enough and letting people into my life who basically wanted a piece of what I had. But understanding that like not everybody that you bring into your life is going to have the best intentions for you. And at the end of the day, and I think my, my legal team who works with me a lot on everything, um, contracts, you know, with my companies, like, um, you have to be able to separate business with like all the warm and fuzzies of, you know, you know, at the end of the day, it's business. And I think that you have to be very careful about like the people who you let in to your life. Um, it's kind of like a double edged sword because you know, you expect to be able to trust them and to know that they have like your best intentions on the line. But at the same time, you know, I think it's worse with girls, you know, there's always not always, but there could be like an alternative motive or they could just be wanting to like kind of climb, climb the ladder, you know, ride your coattail for a while. So that would probably, that was probably like the hardest thing that I had to overcome. Um, especially whenever my, all my brands started growing and booming, you know, I, let people who wanted to come help me. I was like, yeah, you can help, but you know, you have to let your walls down to let the good in, but you have to be careful because you can always let the bad in as well. So you kind of have to decipher through that a little bit. 
it's it's funny because that's the same answer we got in different words than other successful people that we've interviewed and mm-hmm. just like our first episode with Dom he, he said very similar to the same thing so it's showing that it's a real thing yeah it's a real thing <laughs> yeah and it's not that you know again it's like nothing personal but you have to protect your brand and um, you have to have people who support you and love you and like envision everything that you have and not try to skew the brand a different way, not try to ride your coattail for their own personal gains. But it's hard, you know, because it's supposed to be, it's just hard. And it's hard to identify. It is. And it's hard because you you legitimately care about people. And and it's just, they got to be on the same page. And and it could be someone that does have your best interest, but they don't push as hard. They don't have that determination. Right. It's tough. It is tough. So let's move into our next segment. Um, this is where we take some user-submitted questions, mm-hmm. and we take it from we have, we answer it from the ironclad side, and then we answer it from your side. Um, so let's see what we got. So one of the questions that we have is how does rest play into your day to day? And I think on on the ironclad side, you know, we we'll, we'll go on these these trips for just like with the Haiti one. I mean, it'll be five days. Um, it'll be back to back to back, nonstop shooting, um, then travel or sleeping in a van. And then we might have a, a production backed up to that, or we might have a deadline. And I think as a team, you know, ours is more as a team rather than an individual, but, um, we have to recognize when people need to recharge and because you won't, you won't function as well. You won't be as creative. And I think there's important to be able to have drive and discipline and fight through these things. But when you have a second, you have to take the time to, to rest and, and recoup your mind. Um, that's not to say to use that as a crutch or an excuse because a lot of people use that. And why well, I'm tired or this and that. You need to fight through that for, to get the job done. But um, it's important that you recognize um, fatigue or you, whether that's creative fatigue, mental fatigue, whatever that is, and allow yourself to recharge. So at least that's, that's how it is on our end. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so for me, um, because a lot of what I do is all social media, and as we all know, social media never sleeps. And so I think one of the biggest things, I love what I do so much, so it doesn't seem like work, which I'm sure you guys can relate. So I could do it all the time. Like I could just work all the time because I love what I do and I love the people I do it with. So I could be at work and I don't really feel like I'm working. I have learned though, like, you know, when I pick my kids up from school, like I need to kind of put a a halt on checking the email, put a halt on social media or checking things because I know all of that can wait. I'm not the best at this and it's always good to be reminded, but I think it's important, you know, whenever you're going to bed, because I could probably stay up way past my bedtime just working. I could work all the time. I'm definitely a workaholic. So for me, I just like to schedule parts of my day where I'm completely unplugged so where I'm not looking at my phone or you know I let my team know that like hey this is what I'm doing I'm going to be out of the pocket for the next three hours Um, or really trying to just put my phone away at night and grab a book and just kind of disconnect from that life and really recharge because you're right it is important it's really important to have that time and I try to get like seven hours of sleep a night and I'm pretty good about that, but it kind of comes like a, like a fluctuates. Like I was just in Boston at the Reebok headquarters and we didn't get home until 
like almost 12 31 a.m you know but i still had to wake up the next morning at six to get the boys up for school you know so i probably slept like four maybe five hours that night and so you just i pay attention to it and i know because of course sleep for me like i've got to train every day and i do have this big run coming up so you just have to be responsible and think of it like your training is important your work is important but you equally like your sleep and rest and disconnect when it's healthy is important too and, and that almost takes more discipline than some of the other stuff that yeah. seems hard you know it seems harder but it's it is it's yeah. hard mm-hmm. so our, our last question is um Influ- about influence and it's about an audience that that you have and, and and it's how much does knowing that you have an audience play into your day-to-day so I'll, I'll answer it on our side first and and ours is a much smaller scale than yours but you know our goal is to try to be the voice of the industry and and, and help share some of the techniques that we're using some of the some of the skills that we learn the gear we learn um but we take it very seriously. We take it seriously even with the brands we align ourselves with. That's why we want to have this podcast. Uh, you know, we have a true affinity for the brands we work with. And, and I think, if anything, we take that more seriously than other aspects of our business because who you work with directly reflects, you know, who you are and, and who you are as a brand. So we want to make sure we align with their messages. But we also want to make sure that, um, you know, we're setting a standard for the rest of the community and the industry that we work in. But like I said, on your scale, mm-hmm. you have, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, close to half a million on Instagram. I don't even know what your Facebook is. Yeah, it's almost a million on Facebook. I mean, if you if that's in a TV series, you're doing really good. You know, like right. people are pumped about having that many views. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really think about it, actually. Um, I think that it'd probably be pretty easy to let all that go to your head. Even like how you would post or like you know what you post but I just and I think one of the biggest things too that's important for me is like I don't follow other fitness people um unless I know them personally because I think it's easy to be like you like see somebody else doing this and then you're like oh my gosh should I be posting like that too or like do I need to have posts like that or do I need to be you know so I just try to like keep my blinders on and just do basically just do me um, everything that I feel like genuinely feel or post about. I don't have like scheduled posts. Um, nobody does like my posting except for me. Sometimes my marketing director will go in and spell check because I'm like not very, you know, good at grammar. But um, other than that, like I just kind of speak from my heart and I don't worry. I just, if I feel like I have to say something, I just say it. I don't worry about all the followers. I think that's what attracts the followers, honestly. Yeah. Your realness. I, th- I mean, even when we had a, a preliminary call with Reebok, they were saying how much they loved you. and Yeah, that was pretty – yeah, because I was just up there um, a couple days ago. I went with Eva, and I'm, like, so blown away. Like, the running team's like, thank you so much. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I don't know why you're thanking me. Like, you guys, you're like the Reebok running team, you know? Like, And I guess maybe that's just special, like, that it's what makes me who I am. Because, again, like, I don't feel like I'm any different than anybody else. And so sometimes – these people were how they're like, I know you don't have a lot of time. Like, you know, we don't want to take a lot of your time. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm just not a girl, but so it's pretty cool. I think your willingness to engage with people, um, be real, be off the cuff with your, with your Instagram and stories and those types of things, instead of being structured and planned for every single thing like that. I think that is one of your biggest draws. Cool. So I know you have five official businesses you mm-hmm. probably have a few more in the works mm-hmm. tell us what ashleycorner.co is is all about 
I guess if there was a tagline for AshleyHorner.co, it's really, I mean, it's for, there's a lot of men actually too who do my programming as well, but I don't think they talk about it as much as the women do. Um, but it's just really like empowering women or empowering anybody who has like a low self-confidence or they don't believe in themselves. Like I want to give them the power and show them that, you know, that they can do anything that they set their mind to. Um, and it's really, you know, about helping women find beauty in their strength, whether they came from an abusive relationship, whether they, whether they grew up like in the middle of like, you know, Timbuktu, um, regardless of the skin of their color, where they live, their zip code, um, their age, their gender, their nationality, that they can become whoever they want to become. And they don't need to let anything or anybody define that except for themselves. That's awesome. Not only do you have your businesses, but you have sponsors that you collaborate with, you work with, and, and help achieve some of these goals. Who are you working with and, and how have they helped you? Yeah, so I'm very fortunate. I have a great lineup and list of sponsors and endorsers um, who aligned very well with like my brand and kind of like the journey that I'm on. And that was something too starting out that like I made sure that I would never represent a, ba- a brand that like I didn't align with well. I wouldn't like um, you know, promote a skinny wrap or a tea or a diet pill that unless I like was taking it and I legit believed in it, um, you know, I would never say that I did something or believed in it and I didn't know anything about it. So I'm really thankful with like Reebok. They have been and continue to be behind me and support me, like no matter what crazy thing that I do. Um, Reebok is amazing. Bodybuilding.com was the first company that basically jumped on board and, you know, they saw something different in me, I guess. And they truly believed in everything that I was doing and the direction that I was going. Um, I've been with Rock Tape, which is a kinesiology tape, uh, for about three years now. And it's a smaller company, but, you know, I was using Rock Tape probably for like a year or more before they even approached me. Like I just believed in the product. Um, And then PowerDot, which is going to be one of the newest companies that I am signing an endorsement deal with, uh, hopefully in the next month. We've been talking about it for a couple months. And I fell in love with their product as well. It's a muscle stimulator um, and you control everything through your phone. It's like Bluetooth. So it's pretty cool. Um, But those are like my companies that truly like that are my core companies that represent that have been by my side who believe in everything that I do. I believe in everything that they do. So it's a great great, um, marriage relationship is what I like to call it. Awesome. Well, I think that concludes uh, the podcast. We really appreciate you coming by. It's been awesome to hear your story. Like I said, I've known you for a couple years now and and haven't had the privilege to hear your whole story. And I I know that everyone who hears this will will be pumped and and take away a lot. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to Haiti. (laughs) Me too. Well, now that everybody's hearing this, I'm going to be, I I will have been finished, which is crazy. It's like really crazy. So the video is coming out soon. You guys keep your eyes peeled. Uh, We'll see Ashley uh, running the last mile with with the kids. Yeah, it's surreal. Cool. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. In how many days? It's a couple days. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Looking forward to it. And keep your eyes peeled for that video. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Ironclad Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure that you leave us a review, any questions that you may have. Also, follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad and also our website, thisisironclad.com.